the War Nomads podcast. It's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous independent traveler. I'm laughing already. <laughs> Thanks for tuning, tuning in. I can't even speak at the start of the podcast. It's the World Nomades podcast, and we're getting quite the following now, Phil, aren't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've got a few people out there that love us. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, I should mention, too, we're a travel insurance and lifestyle brand. Look, in this episode, we're off to beautiful Italy. I know. Does anybody not know where Italy is? Just in case oh. you're confused, it's in the Mediterranean. It's that boot-shaped place. Uh, borders France, uh, Austria, Slovenia. Within it is San Marino, a very small country, and the smallest country in the world, the Vatican City. <laughs> Sorry, I've still got the giggles. Wait until it will become very clear. It will become very clear. And it will all be pleased to know I get very embarrassed by this. So <laughs> yes, hang, in, yeah. hang in there. So, who's on the show? Madeleine Joa. She runs Italy Beyond the Obvious, and it's a travel planning service just for Italy. And Madeleine's travel philosophy is not only to see Italy, but to feel it, to hear it, to do it, to keep it simple. Very much world nomads, you feel. Very much. Love it. So, Maro Mans. Oh, I love talking to Maro. He... So sexy sounding. <laughs> he runs. You've a, gone all a fish called Wanda. I know there, right? this yeah, is okay. a fish called Wanda. He runs a blog with his wife called Crab in the Air. He's Italian, and yes, I do have one of those speak to me in Italian moments. And Phil, before you judge me, this episode does belong to you with this classic blooper that's coming up, and you that you'll hear that in our chat with Madeline. Plus, World Nomads contributor Elena tells us about the sandwich that made her cry. <laughs> Travel news. And let's do it. Kick it off with Phil's quiz question. All right. It's about Italy. I love coffee and I love Italian espresso. I have a fabulous little Italian machine at home as well. But how much espresso coffee is consumed in Italy each year? How much espresso in Italy each year? End of the episode, you'll find that out. When you think Italy, you think food. Now, this lady was the winner of our Italy Passport and Plate program. And because... You can whack it on so well. <laughs> you can you can introduce her, Elena Valeriotti. <laughs> there you go. Nearly, 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 nearly in one yeah. day. Hi, Elena. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you both? Well, we well. But tell me about the passport and plate program. What did you What did you do? Yeah, so it was uh, back in 2014, and it was uh, one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, I went to Cinque Terre, Italy, uh, which is up on the northern coast. Uh, for a little over a week, about a week and a half. And I spent my days making some travel uh, videos, just short films, mostly focused on Italian food. Uh, and it was a, a lot of eating, a lot of drinking, sunshine and music and everything good. Did you what? put on weight? Uh, uh, actually, no, because uh, the the five cities, so Cinque Terre means the five cities uh, in Italy, in or five earths to be correct, but... Um, they are located on the top of these really, really tall hills. And so oh. they're right cliffs that drop off into the coast. And I hiked between um, several of the hills, did a lot of running and walking. So as much as I was eating, I was, I was, I was working it off too. <laughs> uh, but was there not a little uh, fishing expedition on a boat that... <laughs> Yes. I, uh, <laughs> she didn't look very good. Oh, really? <laughs> she did her best in the videos, but tell us. Go on. I couldn't believe that that was the whole subject of one of the videos. But um, yeah, so as much as I love to travel and to be constantly in motion, my body does not. Um, I don't do especially well 
with uh, motion sickness on anything, but especially boats. Um, and so one of the days I had the joys of being invited to top a boat, which anyone else would be um, pretty thrilled about. And I was excited for, but I ended up uh, getting pretty dizzy and had to lie down in the middle of the boat for most of the excursion. <laughs> but I have to tell you, the, the film crew we sent with her, they said she was a real trooper about it. So, oh, really? Yeah, really? Yeah, so uh, you don't do boats, but you do food. So tell us what you learnt about food in Italy. Well, the thing about food in Italy is that it's so fresh and so much of it is local because Italians take this incredible pride in their food. Um, so in Cinque Terre, they have what is traditionally called you know, poor food. They say that it's very like um, simple food, but it's it just, I mean, you take a couple ingredients like lemons, basil, potatoes, and some anchovies, and you throw it all in a dish, and it's just exquisite. I mean, these people know what they're doing, and you dash on some olive oil and some fresh honey. I mean, the thing about the trip was that every day I was in an olive grove or a lemon grove or on a fishing boat, and I was surrounded by this food that was coming right from there and so everything just tasted alive and vibrant and that's what I found in all of my travels in Italy that the food is just incredibly of the place and they take such a pride in preparing it that you're going to have a good meal no matter what. Yeah it's a real family experience too isn't it? Yes. Yeah, actually, at one of the, um, I spent several uh, afternoons in kitchens in, um, in Cinque Terre on this trip. And one of the times I was in the kitchen with three generations. So I had a grandmother, a daughter and her granddaughter all in the kitchen together and we were cooking and it was just, it was wonderful. It was very Italian to have all the family there. Uh, we hinted from the awful pronunciation that I did of your name, <laughs> but there's an Italian background. So was that the part of Italy that your family was from or they were from another part? Um, so my family, both of my family, uh, my mother and my father's side come from Italy. Um, and so my father's side is from the south and my mother's side is from the north, um, but not quite in the Liguria region, which is where I was in Cinque Terre. Tell me about pizza. Did they really invent pizza, the Italians? Uh, you know, I don't actually know the question, uh, the answer to that entirely. But oh, hang on, definitely. hang on, Elena. Phil will. <laughs> <laughs> Phil knows everything. Tell me, Phil. Um, yes, the margarita pizza is very definitely an Italian invention because it's the colours of the Italian flag. Right, okay. Right? The white cheese, the red tomato base and the green basil leaf or basil leaf as you were. and it was for it was invented as a uh, as a dish for queen margarita hence it's called margarita right is there anything, i'm sorry <laughs> is there anything phil doesn't know i'm sorry you know i have heard that story but it's one of those things you have to wonder if it's an italian myth but i i know that they are and particularly in naples they've come up with a whole you know definition of what a pizza is and it's pretty pretty a touchy topic well where you go I was there a couple of years ago, and I've got young kids. They would have been five and nine at the time. So it was pasta one day, pizza the next uh, for like two weeks. Yeah. And with gelato at the end of every one of them. But, you know, we were doing a lot of walking too. And they said the best pizza they have ever had in their lives was in Naples. Oh, of course. Well, the home. Of course. Of course. Yeah. What are some of the rules? I've been told you can't, you can't have a cappuccino with a meal. Yeah, there there are quite a lot of rules, and it takes some time to learn them when it comes to food etiquette in Italy. Um, the cappuccino, for sure, is one. I love 
a good cappuccino. Um, it's something I definitely picked up in Italy, uh, but you are supposed to have it on its own, perhaps with a, a croissant or a piece of toast made with Nutella on it in the morning, but absolutely not with a meal and never after 10 a.m. Can I ask one question? I mean, you're quite a well-traveled person as well, Elena. So um, what's your secret to travel? What do you try and do that makes travel the best it can be for you? Well, for me, I I plan all of my travel around food. <laughs> so I maybe I don't pick the city necessarily based on the food, but when I know where I'm going, I will make an itinerary for my day that is essentially what is going to be the best thing I eat that day. And so I'll pick out, you know, what's the best place that makes bread in this city. And then I will start my day there and I'll get a good coffee and some good toast. And then it's guaranteed to be a good day. (laughs) So in all your travels then, which country or which nationality has the best food? I've got to be partial to Italy, of course. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even tell you. So so I spent two weeks in Sicily um, at one point, which was incredible, and had multiple life-changing experiences when it comes to food. I actually had a sandwich that made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, it was it was so moving. It was the best thing I've ever eaten. And I had the best pizza of my life in Sicily. Okay. No, 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 no. What was in the sandwich? Come on. Oh, it was probably like 20 ingredients. It was not a, a slap it together sort of sandwich. It was this wonderful little place down in Syracuse right near the water. And you stand in line, which is the only time you're going to see Italians standing in line for food because that's very um, – think a California or American thing generally to think food is worth standing in line for but this place is worth it and you stand in line and as you're standing there there's like a little counter out front and um, there's this little old man standing there and he's there pretty much every day because I follow them on Instagram so you're guaranteed to meet him pretty much if you go there Um, and he's there with his whole family I met them all there's mother grandmother daughter husband children running around and it's the the older man that's making the sandwiches and he's got this whole selection of ingredients in front of him and he like just pulls everything together and I didn't tell him what I wanted at all I was like you just make your sandwich and it had like six kinds of cheese on it probably four kinds of meat um, a dozen different types of salads and greens some tomatoes um, fresh herbs from the garden nearby it was <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm with you on it. <laughs> I can't believe you cried. I cannot believe you cried. That's, that's, that's so cute. It was embarrassing. I had I got my sandwich. I took a bite of it, and I had to go sit in like in a corner far away from the people because I was crying. <laughs> Gotta go. Gotta go to Sicily. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, on the list. Thank you so much for the chat. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Now, we don't have a photo of the actual sandwich that made Elena cry, but we will share a photo of the place that makes these tearjerkers and a link to their website, and we'll put that in, in show notes. I, just, I want one now. I just want to go and have one. So do you need a cry? I've got a shoulder. I've got a shoulder. Time to check in with our world nomads. So I've come across these skaters in the middle of Sydney. Where are you from? I'm from the UK. I'm an electrician. I've got a sponsorship lined up, and, yeah, it's a really cool place. I 
lot, fortunate enough to know some really cool people here already at Rollerblade that are some of the best in the world. So Did you pack your, yeah. your rollers? Oh uh, yeah, I've got I've got so many pairs of these, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to ship them all. I've just bought it, I'll probably buy some every six months, yeah. if not four, depending on what new ones come out. Yeah. And I'll probably spend between <laughs> four to six hundred pounds each time. Madeleine Jawa runs Italy Beyond the Obvious. It's a travel planning service and it's just for Italy. But wait until you hear Phil launch into his pronunciation of a place he stumbled on while he was in Italy. It's coming up. We kicked off by asking how a Canadian became an expert on travel in Italy. I uh, spent about five years in Italy and one of those years I was working as a tour guide for a hiking and biking company called Butterfield and Robinson. So I guided, um, you know, eight day ish long uh, hiking and biking tours around Italy. Um, And so when you do a job like that, you just inevitably get people saying, where should I go? What should I do? How long should I stay? What should I see? Why did you call your business Italy Beyond the Obvious? Um, I think that that's what I was getting requests for. Um, You know, I had such a deep um, understanding of Italy. And when I started giving advice to people, I just got so sick of talking about Rome, Florence and Venice all the time, not because they're not worth talking about, but because just over and over and over and over again, um, I just got, you know, I just, there's so much more in Italy and the famous sites are worth seeing. Absolutely. Totally endorse that, but there's so much more. And so give us some, give us a few examples. What is not obvious? That's fantastic. So I would say there's kind of two ways um, to think about not obvious and fantastic. One way is to see the main sites in a different way. So you can still see the main sites, but in a beyond the obvious with a beyond the obvious approach. And so you might still see the Colosseum in Rome and you might still see the um, the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. But but the approach is different. Um, And then the second um, beyond the obvious way is literally to just go to different places. I would also add that Italians are the biggest tourists of Italy. And so there are so many cities in Italy that are super, super famous that foreign tourists just aren't aware of. You know, there's like 20 20 towns that for the Italians are equally as famous. And so those are, are really nice to send foreign travelers because even if you get there as a foreign traveler, let's just take somewhere... Um, Let's take, for example, Ravenna, um, which is on the Adriatic coast, a couple of hours south of Venice. And it's a huge, important place for art, for Byzantine mosaics. And they've just got these um, jaw-dropping mosaics. And they're all religiously themed and they're very gold and they're very kind of blingy. Um, But if you love mosaics, I mean, you'll just be blown away by these mosaics. But Ravenna is a really, really, like nobody, no Italian will ever tell you that Ravenna is off the beaten track. Like, you know, they're super famous and super important. But as a foreign traveler, if you go to Ravenna, you'll be surrounded by Italians and you'll think, oh, I'm like, you know, this is totally off the beaten track. But the Italians are from Milan and they're from Rome and, you know, they're not locals. They're not locals from Ravenna. I look for those sorts of things and I have to say uh, a few years back I was in, I was on the Amalfi Coast, I was in Ravello, which is mm. you know, very high up on, on uh, a mountain and I was looking down the coast and I'm going, what are those places over there and why aren't they in my guidebook? And I think <laughs> it was, you know, Minora and Majora, I think they are, and they are uh, very popular with Italian tourists, but they're just not mm. in the <laughs> Western guidebooks. They can't be called that. 
They're okay. min- uh, yeah, Minori and Maori. Yeah, there you go. Hey, come on, guys. Yeah. You know what that's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. They're so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> downstairs <laughs> stuff. No, no. Okay, but the opposite of that. They okay. were beautiful. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know Kim's towns. lost it. <laughs> anyway. There's no place called that. Surely. There is. Yeah, it's Minori and Maori. Yeah, it's M I N. Yeah, but that's Minori. not what Phil said. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all right then. All right, let's get Maybe. let's get back to what was oh. what guidebook were you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back to it. Woo. How would you sum up Italy? Probably uh, in my world. It, it would be bucket list of some sort. It would have something to do with bucket list. I get people all the time that are like dream trip, bucket list. I mean, it can be, um, and 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 it doesn't matter your budget. It doesn't matter your interests. It doesn't matter who you're traveling with, whether it's a, you know, your 90 year old grandmother who can't walk more than a block or your one year old or two year old toddler. Who there's refuses to walk more than a block. Yeah, yes. Who, right. Yeah. <laughs> there. I mean, honestly, there's something for everyone. Yeah, Come no. on, can we hear that? Replay that moment All where right. your friend, as an independent but very adventurous traveller, came into question. What are those places over there? And why aren't they in my guidebook? And I think it was, you know, Minora and Majora, I think they are. And they are uh, very popular with Italian tourists, but they're just not in the Western guidebooks. They can't be called that. Minori and Maori, yeah. It's M I N. Minori. All right, then. <laughs> that still cracks me up. I can't uh, believe it. Do you think Madeline? Oh, she. There was a well, slight was, giggle there, but yeah, she, yeah. she probably wasn't operating at a thirteen-year-old level like but, you and I. I and she also could not see the look on your face yeah, that I could. Exactly. Or <laughs> My eyes popped. Good one, Phil. Let's get your travel news. All right, Kim. Can you can you name Italy's national airline? I can. Come on, Italia. Alitalia, yeah, for now, but the bankrupt and much-troubled airline is facing competition from Air Italy, which intends to take over the mantle as the national carrier. The airline will have its hub not at Rome's Fumagino Airport, but in Milan. Air Italy, formerly known as Meridiana, once tried to merge with Alitalia, so, you know, they win. Uh, The Beast from the East, a severe winter weather storm that lashed the UK and Western Europe last week, caused flight cancellations, long delays of all forms of transport, uh, planes and trains and cars and everything, and brought rare snow to Rome. Did you see the footage of the the priests that were throwing snowballs? Throwing snowballs in St Peter's Square, absolutely wonderful. A flight on the low-cost Dutch air airline Transavia heading to Amsterdam from Dubai was forced to make an unscheduled stop in Vienna after a dispute broke out over a passenger passing gas. What? Look, that's not me on flights. Yeah, uh, air traffic control, this is Transavia Flight 111. We have to land because of a farting passenger. <laughs> it must have been a smelly one. Uh, a couple of the passengers who complained to the cabin crew were ejected for becoming unruly, but two other passengers who were in the same row and said they weren't part of it. They got kicked off as well. Other passengers have said on social media that they thought the cabin staff uh, overreacted a little bit, but the uh, elderly gentleman who was 
the gassy elderly gentleman was allowed to stay on board. Gassy passengers notwithstanding, Kim, do you enjoy airline travel? I mean, do you like the experience of being on love a plane? It. Love, love it. Love it? Okay. Well, this is for you. A Japanese company is giving people who love the experience a chance to indulge their passion without going anywhere. You can book yourself a seat in a mock aircraft cabin that doesn't go anywhere. You get served airline food, you hear the safety announcements, you watch in-flight movies and listen to the rumble of the jet engines for a few hours while enjoying it through those virtual reality goggles. I'm in Japan in June. Should I go and check this out? Yes, please, because what the actual is my question (laughs) on that one. Why? There is a new world's most powerful passport, meaning the passport that allows you visa-free entry into the most countries. Germany has held the top dog spot for many years, but it slipped to third in a new count. Visa-free access to 162 countries goes to the holders of a passport from, and it's a tie, South Korea and Singapore. Germany's third with 161, just one less. The UK's next with 159. At the other end of the scale, with visa-free access to just 26 nations, is Afghanistan. But right. don't but don't start celebrating yet, Miss Kim. <laughs> Hang on, you could be Korean, South I Korean. Know. Have you got the South Korean passport, Miss Kim? I know everyone loves it. If, whenever I have a Korean uh, taxi driver, yeah, and you know I get chatting, yep. they know my name's Kim. It's like we're instant family. <laughs> it's great. Passports with lots of visa-free access are targeted by criminals for the obvious international crime-related reasons. And that's you know why there's lots of security measures going in the passports. But the more countries you can get visa-free access to, the more likely your passport's going to get nicked and your photograph changed into some international drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not already one, Kim. That wraps up travel news. Thank you. Moro Maz, he runs a blog with his wife called Crab in the Air and he's Italian. And yes, I have one of those speak to me in Italian moments. Well, good evening from Australia. <laughs> good morning from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a chat with Italy and I don't think that I've done this in any other podcast without having a glass of wine. Am I in the right company? <laughs> that is correct. Uh, that is totally correct. <laughs> it's early in the morning, but yeah, it's getting that direction. Well, you know, when I was in the Czech Republic, um, we went into a cafe and it was nine o'clock in the morning and we were grabbing something to eat, obviously looking for something that was breakfast-like. And there were these three old women, I'll never forget it. They were in their... <laughs> mid to late 70s if not in their 80s and they were chugging on red wine and i thought this is the place i'm going to retire that's true yeah i think i remember something as well being in prague and it's yeah it's there i think it's more common in italy yeah it it happens but it's mostly on a half uh let's say from midday on in the morning, like, you know, you'll find a lot of cappuccino, a lot of, uh, uh, coffee drink, a lot of people in those, what we call bars in Italian, but it's actually a coffee shop. <laughs> now I'm getting this mixed accent. Tell us, what's your history? Yeah, sure. Well, um, well, I'm Italian. So, um, uh, but, you know, been traveling, uh, across the globe, uh, a lot for a lot of years. Uh, since I was a kid and then uh, also now the last uh, uh, 10 years since I met my wife. So we've been traveling a lot and uh, and going you know, from place to place and as soon as possible, whenever possible. Currently in Italy, but uh, uh, of course always uh, 
uh, going around and exploring new places from uh, you know from uh, Europe around different areas here, which is very convenient to you know explore, to Southeast Asia, which we are truly and falling in love with Thailand, especially been there like uh, seven times now, eight times I think, and um, and then other countries around the world. We'll get into that, but you're married, I'm married. Have you watched Have you watched the movie A Fish Called Wanda? A Fish Called Wanda? No, I haven't. It doesn't matter. Just say something to me in Italian. <laughs> Cosa desideri sapere? <laughs> oh, was that something? In fact, I'm translating. Did you say I'd like to disappear? <laughs> it's like, what would you like to know? <laughs> no, all right. Well, I just wanted to hear the accent, to be honest. But Italy is such a super popular destination. Why do people choose it? Well, I think that uh, Italy is uh, is really a, a melting pot of diverse experiences. So there are, I would say, at least three reasons for which uh, people love and look forward to visit Italy. I mean, I identify like the uh, cultural, historical aspect, which is uh, uh, a main one. But together with you know the food, with the culinary experience, uh, with everything uh, related to that. Uh, but then I would say one other major aspect is the the nature, the landscapes. The you can go from the you know the Mediterranean Sea to the Alps uh, to the lakes, uh, and and have everything of this in a round of just. A couple of hours, so it's it's really it's pretty unique from that point of view. Now we've chatted to somebody in this episode who spent time in Italy, a, a lot of time. She tells us about a sandwich that she ate that actually made her cry. It was so good. Is that common for people to be so caught up in the emotion? Yeah, and I will say the one thing that uh, we miss when traveling outside of Italy. Uh, Beyond the fact that there is a great experience in uh, in food around the world is actually food. I mean, food is uh, is terrific here. It's really uh, it's and it's not even the complicated things that you can eat. It's just like the the basic ingredients have their own unique flavor. If you uh, if you can taste the you know the tomato like the pomodoro, it's just like it's a unique taste. It, it has something that uh, by itself is just already a, a meal almost. So it's I think that is one thing that is is truly unique about Italy and about the, probably the the millennial culture that has gone through you know two thousand years of story and uh, that uh, brings you this kind of uh, of advanced but simple kind of uh, food. So uh, that is absolutely something fantastic that uh, uh, by itself is already a reason to visit Italy. And it transcends generations, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's, just, it's just like it's evergreen, right? <laughs> That's the saying. So we mentioned that it's a super popular place to visit Italy and, and you've highlighted the reasons why. What do you think of tourists who come or go to Italy and does it ever get tedious? Do they have unreal expectations of what to expect? So I think it's it's really important to avoid going to the typical touristic places. Uh, I, I think it's it's really important to experience the almost the daily life in Italy. 
So not just visit the typical cities such as, you know, Rome, um, Florence, and Venice, but also go a little bit beyond that and even visit the towns outside where you can find the real uh, trattoria, which is like a typical restaurant that you can find in the, in the countryside that serves like local dishes. Or you can even find those uh, monuments that are not listed in the typical guides but are there. We have fantastic castles and, 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 and bridges. And, and all these kind of monuments outside even the, the major cities, uh, the you know the beaten track, the usual uh, super visited uh, touristic places. And if you leave that one and just go and do a, a normal road trip around, you'll find amazing things that are even beyond the usual uh, spots. So you're passionate about Italy, obviously, but you also mentioned that you do a lot of travel. What do you do on your holidays or travel within your travel and, and why? What, what moves you? Well, I mean, I really have a great passion for, you know, experiencing different cultures. Uh, even in terms of, you know, really meeting people, uh, we talked about Italian food, but also, you know, friend food, any kind of food from different countries is, uh, I think, really unique and, and gives you that perspective of the local culture. So what they're, how they're really eating, how they're feeling through the day, how they're uh, interacting with each other. So I'm, that is a major thing, like meeting new people. On trying to understand, maybe not learn, of course, but trying to understand the other languages uh, and reading it, uh, and even, of course, exploring all the wonders that we have around the world, which are fantastic and and, and really uh, need to be experienced. Everybody says when they're traveling that it's about meeting people. Have you met people that you've stayed in touch with that have become significant in your life? Yeah, absolutely, uh, and it's it's. I wouldn't say all, everywhere, but almost everywhere. Uh, each single place, there's there's always those uh, uh, few people that you meet there that are are truly unique, and you say, "Well, that was a great experience by itself." So, uh, and, and that is another reason for traveling. I mean, the meeting with these people that uh, gives you back their own experience, even you know, with. Whichever work, whichever kind of interaction there is with these these kind of people, uh, even with the taxi driver, I remember like uh, talking about with them and, and learning their story and hearing about uh, what they do on a daily basis and their families. It's so fantastic and it connects you so much with the with the locals. So uh, yes, it's it's one of the great pieces of traveling. We will have a link to Crab in the Air in show notes, but for those who didn't get the Fish Called Wanda reference, it's a British-American comedy film with John Cleese and an actress named Jamie Lee Curtis, and she doesn't mind a guy with an accent. This is a bit of a snippet. I am Italian. Sono italiano in spirito. Ma ho esposato una donna che preferisce lavorare in un giardino a far l'amore appassionato un spalio grande. She used to float my boat, Jamie Lee. <laughs> right, thanks, Phil. Joining us now... She probably in... still does, actually. She's the same age as me, but there you go. This has been a very loose podcast, this one. <laughs> Joining us in the World Nomad studio is our social media specialist, Isaac Entry. 
Hey guys, he good to be here. You entered the studio. Do you get the joke? I get it. Oh, yeah. I've heard that never happens to you much, right? <laughs> I've heard them all. <laughs> you should try having the name of a cartoon cat. That's really boring. Sylvester. <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's that one? Putty cat. That's it. What do you get? Oh, is that with a name like entry? Probably not safe for the podcast. Can oh, well, oh, okay. well, you've come in at the end of it. Wait until you go back and have a listen at the beginning. Now, the world is a beautiful place, and we do see the best of it on on our social media platforms. How do you get featured on Instagram, for example? We have how many followers? It's- we have over a hundred thousand followers. I'm going to take this opportunity to do a quick shout out to everyone that has ever tagged us, because we have over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram now. Um, Hashtag World Nomads. That's that's how you get featured on our channel. But not surely not every there, you know there are a lot of people that are travelling. Not everyone that hashtags World Nomads would be plucked out featured, and featured for sure. We have last month over five hundred thousand people use that hashtag, um, and I have um, the task of going through all those pictures and, and picking out the best ones. You look at them all. It's a tough. Yes, I do. So what do you yes, look I for do. then to feature it? on the World Nomads Instagram page. Um, am I saying um too many times? That's, is that no. podcast yeah. best practice? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Look, the, the, the first thing is it has to be a good picture. Um, wh- what a good picture is for Instagram comes down to several things. I think it, it needs to be um, strong compositionally. It needs to have bright colours. If it looks good in your phone, it will look good on our Instagram feed. I um, once read a thing uh, that said the most popular book cover for people choosing a book when it's on the shelf is a sort of a pale green. Is there a colour that works best for that should be dominant in Instagram photos? I think blue is a good colour. Any shade of blue is yeah. a good colour. Is that your favourite colour? It's not my favourite colour. My favourite colour is now pink, thanks to my four-year-old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> you do wear some charming finger po- fingernail polish. <laughs> oh, you are right now. Well She's done. been practising so on me. Okay. That's so gorgeous. Uh, so blue. And do you mind photos that have been heavily filtered? I prefer photos that are not heavily filtered. It's a bit like makeup, right? Yeah. Just a tiny bit can go a long way. Yeah. Too much is too much. Portraits, landscapes, what? Everything. So if you look, if you jump on our feed, um, we love a good portrait. Any kind of photo that captures some sort of interaction with somebody that is from the destination, we love that sort of stuff. Um, landscapes, places of worship, interesting architectural sites. If it's a good photo, we'll feature it. Is there anything that's an immediate turnoff, you know, like toothless or beetle nut juice stained teeth of Cambodian what? women or something oh, like that? Phil. It's like a classic stereotypical image, you know, the beetle nut juice yeah, stains. That's cultural, isn't it? Is he the most yeah, but culturally insensitive? But the red cliche. <laughs> Look, if, if there's anything that is a turn off, I think it's something that looks a bit too staged. Yeah. You've been looking at these photos for you know, quite a while now. Yeah. And the sort of photos that World Nomads are submitting, have they changed at all in that time? Yes, look, the, I think there's a definite trend towards drone photos, which is really amazing. It's it's such an amazing way to get a new perspective on places that we have seen and think we know to be able to get up high um, and, and capture some of these um, photos is pretty amazing to see. Do you have one picture that stands out as your favourite? On the Instagram feed, there are so many amazing moments that have been captured on our feed. Um, I personally like portraits. I love when someone's worked up the courage to approach somebody in a foreign country to say, 
I think you look really interesting. I'd like to have a chat to you. Can I take a photo? With I, your Beetlejuice stain <laughs> teeth? Yeah, I, I was expecting you to say, I've got this awesome photo of a Cambodian woman with betelnut juice stained teeth. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, mate. Just hang with us while we wrap portraits. up. The, you love portraits. Hang with us while we wrap up the episode. Sure. Um, but hashtag World Nomads. That's it. And simply our Instagram account is... World, World Nomads. Nomads. It's so easy. All right, let's wrap up this episode. It does what it says on the jar. That's it. it. Yeah, say it like it is. And Phil does that very well. Let's wrap up this episode with the answer to your quiz question. From faux pas, Phil. Yes, I love coffee coffee and I love Italian espresso. Uh, How much espresso coffee is consumed in Italy each year? 14 billion, with a B, cups. 14 billion cups of espresso coffee. And that, and they per capita, they consume about 3.7 kilos each. That's just over eight pounds in a year. Eight pounds wow. of coffee in a year. That's, that's a big stat. That's, wow. that's a lot of hand-waving and being awake, isn't it? And they drink them in those little cups too, yep. don't they? So yeah, that's yeah. a lot of little cups to wash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can go on about the coffee etiquette in Italy if you want. Like, no, it's all right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a great story to go on because I remember the first time I walked into a, like a coffee shop in, yeah. in Rome, I think it was, and everyone was standing at the bar with these That's little right. things. Yeah. If you want to sit at a table, you have to ask for a tavola at the table. Yeah. And you get charged extra for the table. What's, yeah. what's a tavola? A tavola at the table. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you could get, I probably just said something rude. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Look, really, this has been this has been um, this has been an interesting podcast. It wraps up right now, actually. Episode eleven. Go and make yourself a pizza. Sit back. Think of Italy. We'll get ready to take you to South Korea. Did you just say sit back and think of Italy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Hashtag World Nomads, please. Yeah, reminder, subscribe, rate, share on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio and contact us, as a few people have been doing, by emailing podcast at worldnomads.com. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.